0: This episode of Achieving Rally the podcast has been brought to you by horrorpack.com Do you like movies? Do you like mystery boxes? Now for the biggest question. Do you like horror movies? Yes. Yes, I believe you do. Horrorpack.com has your fix for both. Sign up And every month you'll get four movies on either DVD or Blu-ray. Unless you sign up for both. Well now, how much is this fantasy of horror? The DVDs are $19.99 a month. The Blu-rays are $24.99 a month. Pretty much a deal right there. Oh, and tell them Larry Greenstein sent you From Achieving Reality, the podcast. HorrorPack.com. It's what everyone is dying for.
1: (laughs) What's next? Uh, This or or this? What else is on there? Uh, I have Did the Friendship Habits Piss You Off? And then I've got uh, three different top tens. I got the dorky novelty things, top ten things you didn't know were invented by rednecks. Oh, I didn't lose that one. <laughs> I thought I did. And, and then top ten most British sentences. Well, let's do that one. British sentences? Yeah.
0: All right. <laughs>
1: Everybody, it's time for another Cheating Rally the podcast. Wee! <laughs> All right, well, this week uh, we talk about something that I don't remember. I actually had my notes, but I can't find them <laughs> because I'm an absolute disaster. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of whatever it is we talk about, and uh, I'll see you at the end.
0: Bye! Oh, God.
2: Your reaction seemed a little negative there.
0: No, the steam in
1: the eye. And the steam is all full of hot peppers. What are you making? Incredibly hot ramen.
2: Why would you want incredibly hot ramen?
1: Because you can only eat so much.
2: (laughs) That's one way towards weight loss. What you got there, Larry? Oh. Uh. Ugh. I I went into the kitchen for something.
1: I did.
0: A couple of somethings.
1: That's
2: because you're too lazy to get up and do it again.
0: Yeah.
1: I'm going to have to in, after these anyways. So I have a... Alright, stir the pot. No, no, no. pot's stirred. Get my gas mask. Did you get any of those dried ghost chilies while you were there? N- no, I didn't buy those this time. I bought these little tiny peppers and then I ground them up myself they wanted pepper flakes. What'd you grind them in? I have a pepper grinder. Oh. Not, a, not a pepper grinder, a uh, herb grinder. It's a little miniature regular you food grinder.
2: What'd you use to clean it out afterwards?
1: Uh, the dishwasher. Mm-hmm. It'll be fine. I rinsed oh. it first. This cilantro tastes awful. <laughs> Good. Wait, cilantro always tastes awful. Oh, no, just lost half our listeners. Half our listeners like cilantro? No, half our listeners are really passionate about their lack of cilantro. Ah. Hey, Chris. Hey. What'd you go to the kitchen for? Well, two things. I'm mixing it up. One, to stir the really hot ramen I'm making. And for more potato Chips. Oh boy. Those are wait-loss for the week. Yep. These are numb and spicy hot pot flavor. Numb and spicy? N-U-M-B and spicy hot pot flavor. There seems to be a problem. Ooh, I can smell that ramen now. Yeah, I know, right? It's got garlic and ginger and peppers. And uh, I use regular chicken stock and then bone stock. Black pepper, habanero vinegar.
0: Habanero vinegar.
1: <laughs> they asked for vinegar, and I was like, I have vinegar! And I want to make it ridiculously hot, so... Okay. And then I, I, you don't add the noodles until the very end, like right before you're going to eat it, because it's already done. Mm-hmm. So... And then I have meat, just so in this, case you want to add meat. So, what's, what's the so part this part? is numb and spicy hot pot flavor. I'm these are... A picture on a, it is the same potato. Oh, and these are the... Wavy. The wavies is the same potato, and then it has the a, a hot pot, hmm. which is a hot soup. Which is funny because we we're just talking about hot soup. The numb part worries me more than the spicy part, actually.
2: Wow, explosive! It smells like daisies. What? There's a there's a floral hint to it. This should be interesting. Ooh. <laughs> Colorific, too. <laughs> what color would you call that?
0: Brown. Numb.
2: I'm hard-pressed to identify any of those flavors.
1: It tastes like a flower. There's a little bit of a spice to it. I'm not getting any.
2: Well, that one had quite a little bit of spice on it.
1: I mean, it literally tastes like I'm eating a floral garden. Mmm, daisy. Mmm. Well,
2: this is not going to go on my list of things to buy. <laughs> Mine are spicy. I don't know why you ain't getting
1: spicy. I don't know. I'm getting more of the floral than anything. I mean, there's a little bit of spice. Now that I'm letting it sit, but I'm not. I'm not getting a lot of spice. It's gonna be some guy in Japan's gonna listen to this and be like, ha 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 ha. The loud one got the ones that were just covered with hyacinth. The one on our right got the spicy ones. Ha, ha,
2: ha, Oh. Yeah, there we go. Did you get the spicy one? I got a spicy one. I like fucking roulettes. But better. Because there are actually some spicy ones in it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if they release those again, we we'll to have to try them a third time.
1: Yep. we get a bag of drenched and fucking unbelievably hot chips. And the roulette is that you have to find the
2: one that has nothing on yeah. it. Show sure I have to end early so we can all find some milk. <laughs> Except, when not you.
1: Oh, Alright, there is some spice to it, but it's mostly a floral note, which I think is really, really weird.
2: It's supposed to be something, but not something I can identify.
1: No? No? Those are potatoes or some kind of fruit.
2: There's no ingredients list on this, right? I mean, there's well, a, there a, is. It's another language.
1: Yeah, it's another language. Oh, wait! This one actually has it, unlike the last one. Potatoes, palm oil, flavors. Well, that narrows it down. Maltodextrin salt, monosodium glutamate, yeast extract, food additives, and silicon dioxide.
2: Silicon dioxide? Is mm-hmm. the same thing they put in those uh, desiccants?
1: What? what do you think? That's kind of crappy. They they literally didn't list any of the other ingredients, just the ones that it takes to make potato chips. Mm-hmm. flavors, flavors, spices
2: forever be a mystery. Yeah, it's not going on my list of things to buy. Take one more shot at it.
1: I don't know if I'm upset because I'm gonna to have to go buy another one to see if maybe this one just might be that one weird pack that just was towards the beginning or towards the end or something. Or even in Asia, they don't have the same hot palate that I do. That's not like that.
2: It just happens that you spice the, the paprikas and the other chips. Yeah, it's kind of like that's intentionally spicy. That is premeditated spicy. Yeah. Well, it says spicy on the pack, I mean. It's not not, like like they're trying to trick you.
1: Well, it says numb and spicy. So that's what I'm... Maybe I'm just getting the numb. I don't know.
2: I wonder what it's really supposed to translate into.
1: The numb is Oh, it's probably like floral and spicy or sweet and spicy here. Oh, that's probably what it is. Because you know they do sweet and sour, cool and hot, salty and sweet.
2: Hot and sour.
1: Hot and sour. Maybe it's supposed to be hot and sour.
2: It's not very sour.
1: Maybe it's supposed to be sweet and sour.
2: Not very sweet either.
1: No, but that'd be more something I could see than numb and sour. I mean, numb and hot. Spicy? Whatever, numb and spicy. Numb and hot, that's just,
2: that's just if you rub on your shoulders after you exercise, right? Sure.
1: Yeah. Well, that was weird. Yeah, that was odd. I find them tasty, and I'm getting a little bit of heat, but...
2: I'm getting a lot of heat, and I don't find them all
1: that tasty. Okay, so we're, we're torn on that one. We don't have... I don't like it. As a podcast, we're torn. I like them, you don't. And we don't have our third. So. I'm not going to buy them. Now, I might buy them again just to see. flip them on other people. That's always fun. Here, try these. What are they? They're dumb and hot. <laughs> They're dumb and spicy. They're dumb and what? Yes. <laughs> yeah. All right. I don't like this and now I'm burning. <laughs> I don't like this and my tongue just fell
0: out. And am a and my man, my man, my man.
1: All right, so Q numb and spicy hot pot music <laughs> All right, just dig through the bag for something else. Chris? Hey Larry. So uh, hey Chris. It's Hi time Larry. for another. Uh, oh hey Marissa, I keep forgetting you're here. Yeah. I'm going to what do you up. mean you keep
0: forgetting I'm here?
1: Well, you're never here.
0: Well, I'm here today.
1: So it's time for another of our, our new our new bat take Here's four here, take. It's time for another uh. Trip taste up, ta- trip up Larry. Trip first. up Larry. Trip up Larry. No <laughs> one's gonna. No one's going up Larry. <laughs> <Ooh>. No. <laughs> You know, it's time for another taste of the UK. Uh, Basically, this is our new thing that we're doing. Uh, We get all of our stuff from The Queen's Pantry in Merchant's Walk. So if you're here in Atlanta, you know where Merchant's Walk is. Go on in there and give them a holler. It's 4235 Merchant's Walk Drive in Marietta, Georgia. It's called The Queen's Pantry. You can also go on at thequeenspantry.com. No, they are not sponsoring this, but, you know, it would be nice if they would. Um, We're going to pay our medical bills after we eat all this. uh, So what I do is I pull the wool over my eyes. I'm wearing a cap. And they hand me, well, they put it on a plate. And Chris and Marissa get a whatever it is in their hand. And then I have to guess what it is. So, uh, all right. I'm going to pull the wool over my eyes and we'll go. All right, let's do this. So this is not going to be so much of a
2: guess what it is. But it's going to be blatantly obvious. It
1: should be a little different. Mm
2: Mm-hmm. You should probably already know what it is by right now.
1: I can't smell it. It's a crisp. Oops. Maybe too much.
2: <laughs> What's that? Maybe too much. Wow. Boy, that, that odor gets around, doesn't it?
1: Oh, God. Is this the malt vinegar one? <laughs> 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 I'm going to go with that, yeah. I'm just. Yeah. Oh, it's. Salt and vinegar French fries. Okay, well, it's a type of crisp. It's a, uh, okay, so walk, I don't even, I didn't even have to taste it. Let me tell. It's from Walker's. Yeah, it's from Walker's. Oh, I love these things. I love the crunch on
2: this. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, the the flavor isn't as potent as the smell. Yeah, it's not. Well, the yeah, vinegar is a little it's there. The the there. Fl- yeah, the flavor. Is, I mean, it's not hiding. No. But that smell is
1: like, whoa! Yeah, the smell, yeah. You know what you're getting into when you open the bag. These are Walker's French fries. I like the crunch of these. I like it better than a chip, actually. Slim and slender, long and twisted. Snap them in half, take a nibble, start of one end, and crunch your way through. Ooh. <laughs> there's plenty of hey, That's, that's gross, man. There's, <laughs> there's plenty of delicious Christmas to munch through before you've got to reach for the next one go on pick one out and munch away french fries are a long tasty pleasure it just so happens they're 92 calories per bag 92
2: kilocalories
1: no it just says calories no in the front it says kilocalories no, I don't know which it's... is the same damn thing yeah that's actually not bad at all these would be perfect for you and i fat people <laughs> on a on a diet yeah i need to get back on. yeah well i'm maybe hey, kim could eat these Right? But you want salt and vinegar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Salt and vinegar flavor crispy potato snack. Ingredients potato granules. Powdered potatoes. Yeah, or flaked. <laughs> potato starch, sunflower oil, salt and vinegar flavoring. The flavor has salt. Acid, citric acid. Hmm. Acid, <laughs> like a Mad side of a big vat of acid. <laughs> <laughs> Potassium chloride, flavor enhancers, monosodium glutamate, disodium 5, ribonucleotide, ribonucleotide more salt, and annatto it's, is the color. A lot
2: of big words for a British product.
1: Yeah, I think this one they have to probably do a little different. But uh, let's see. It, it, if you want to write to them, it's Walker Snack Food Limited, P.O. Box 23. Leicester, L-E-4-8-Z-U-U-K. 8 I would give a, you a phone number, but it's like 836 letters long or numbers long and I don't feel like doing it. This is also suitable for ge- ve- 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 vegetarians. Oh, nice. I like these. I actually well, like the thought oils. about
2: picking up stuff for my friend James at work, but that's like, oh, it's vegetarian. Everything's fried in oil. No, they can, uh, So far
1: that's three bags of chips he yeah, can eat. Uh-huh. I like these a lot. I might get a different flavor because I'm not a huge salt and vinegar fan, but they are tasty and I love the crunch. Mm-hmm. I, I'm a, I am a huge salt and vinegar fan. I used to be. Back in high school, I used to eat a lot of salt and vinegar. I think I burnt myself out on it. But these are actually Unexplains really good. A lot. These are really good. Now there is a salt and malt vinegar chip out there that I yeah, yeah, yeah. that I love i just love the taste of malt vinegar. Well we did that okay. yeah yeah oh yeah yeah we did yeah the but it wasn't the taste of the uk yeah okay, we did that I, I think we did at the same time we did the uh, guinness one yeah, yeah i think so which they had the guinness one but we already did it yeah so uh yeah that's that's really good i, I like that a lot uh so i might buy it in this size you know, they kind of have buy. the
2: same consistency of, like those veggie sticks you buy. Yeah. That are
1: so awful. Yeah. Oh, I love those things. Do you? Oh my god, I ate a whole big bag of them one time mm-hmm. while I was at. Uh, it's like it's a, the brewery. It's,
2: it's like an interesting snack, but there seems to be something missing.
1: Well, yeah, there's something missing. They it's not that it doesn't have as much fat. It doesn't have as much salt. They're trying to get you to go for the the veggie taste that's supposed to be in them. Yeah, but this it doesn't. usually isn't, but. But I still, I, I like them. I still like them. They kind of seem artificial. Yeah. Well, the sweet potato ones are the only ones you can really taste. So I bought those by themselves before. You're talking veggie sticks. V- yeah. V- yeah. G-I. Those are very
0: good.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, there we go. That's another. Now,
2: they kind of have the same feel to them. Mm-hmm. But they actually like, have flavor and stuff.
1: Yeah, a tremendous amount of flavor. And a tremendous amount of odor. Yeah. So, um, alright, there we go. So, cue, uh, french fry music. Hey, Hey, guys. How you doing? I'm all right. What's going on? I don't know. i was waiting for you to tell me. Touch I don't know. This is... Top 10 most British sentences ever uttered. Okay.
2: From somebody who knows every sentence ever uttered.
1: Yes. A lot of research went into this. Yes, it did. The British are often stereotyped as being stoic and reserved, the kind of people who respond to poor customer service with a sternly worded letter and consider the response, it's fine to be a withering insult. It actually kind of is. Mm, That's how you're getting it from. Exactly. And how it's said. It's fine. (laughs) Thanks. Uh, In celebration of British wit and understatement, join us as we discuss what we believe to be the 10 most British sentences ever uttered. (laughs) Undered? Ever undered. Undered. Number 10, the quote. Get up, George, you're embarrassing me. The context. Prime Minister Margaret Thatcher to her bodyguard immediately after being shot at by the SAS. The story, Margaret Thatcher is a polarizing topic over in Blighty. And in some places, the mere mention of her name can kill the atmosphere in a room and replace it with a whirlwind of flailing snakes, <laughs> or so we've heard. That said, she's begrudgingly admired for her unflappable demeanor, which earned her the incredible badass nickname, the Iron Lady.
2: She's there, Ronald Reagan.
1: Yep. Perhaps the single greatest example of Thatcher's sheer inability to be phased by even the most extreme situation is that times she was involved in an SAS training exercise involving live ammo. The story goes that during her tenure as Prime Minister, Thatcher was meeting with the SAS who invited her to take part in a hostage rescue scenario using actual bullets. As a common courtesy, they extend to all high profile guests to show off their skill.
0: <laughs> Gladly... a
2: common courtesy, we're going to shoot at you with live ammo.
1: Gladly, Thatcher accepted and sat in a darkened room in the, quote, killing house the impossibly sweet nickname given to the SAS's secret training building, along with her bodyguard. A few minutes later, three highly trained SAS operatives kicked in the door, threw in a flash bang grenade, and then fired several rounds into the targets, flanking Thatcher, who was reportedly sitting calmly at a table with her purse. Then, when the SAS started firing, Thatcher's bodyguard, clearly showing how he sucked at his job, dove under the table prompting Thatcher to utter the quote above in a testicle-shrinkingly patronizing tone of voice. <whistles> Just like that.
2: <laughs> well, no wonder they didn't like her. They couldn't understand her. <laughs> you gotta be force Didn't understand Jerome. <laughs> the number nine. <laughs> number
1: nine? Number nine. The quote. <laughs> Chatfield, there seems to be something wrong with our bloody ships today the context Admiral David Betty Beattie, Uh shortly Betty
0: Beattie what Betty <laughs> I
2: think that was his wife Betty Beattie, Beattie.
0: <laughs> and their son Betty Uh shortly <laughs> what is that digital scruffy <laughs>
1: no Betty it's Beattie. the robot from uh, <laughs> I know what it's supposed Antarctica. to be
2: yeah. I'm just commenting on your impression of him Oh, Something
1: shortly like, after the two shows sounds of... like scruffy
2: headroom <laughs> scruffy headroom Beédie, beédie <laughs> no, you don't. Don't don't
0: don't 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 want to do that. Going the dirt 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 toilets. Going the dirt 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 dirt
1: And shortly after, the two ships under his command exploded in front of him. Exploded. Admiral Bidi Bidi beedy was highly decorated British naval figure who rose from the rank of cadet to sea lord. Sea Lord? That's a rank? <laughs> yes. And it's pretty fucking metal too. What? 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 World of War ships or something? <laughs> <laughs> the literal highest post possible in the British Royal Navy. Uh, pardon me, sir, what are you? Love oh, Sea Lord.
2: You <laughs> mentioned a <to> Star Lord?
1: <laughs> you have a talking tree? I have Groot. I am Kelp. Beady BeD Beatty. Earned. Countless commendations throughout his career, and personally accepted the surrender of Germany's navy at the end of World War One. He is, however, best remembered for being completely nonplussed about two of his ships blowing up in his face. There you go. Uh, one of the ones that blew up was the HMS <laughs> Indefatigable. I indefatigable. Basically, unfatigable. Uh, that's weird. <laughs> Man, it's pretty fucking funny right there. Oh, and then the second best ship, the Queen Mary, also blew up in front of him. Number eight. The quote I can't wear beige because no one would know who I am. Okay. It's the Queen. And why she always wears bright pastel colors all the time. Oh yeah, they'd mistake you for somebody else right away. <laughs> <laughs> and you are surrounded by well the SAS shooting at Margaret Thatcher apparently and uh Small dogs, the, Small dogs and the wave don't give you a line. Yeah. Few, if any people, can truly claim to, be, crane? claim to be as easily recognizable as the Queen of England, a woman who, who has been on so much money over the years, you can see her age. That's true. And it's very funny. Wait, until you're that age and we'll talk about how funny you are. When no, no. There. You can literally see her age as you look at money through the years. So I think it's funny. Uh, though officially the queen has a number of rather important duties mm-hmm, such as approving parliamentary bills and meeting with the prime minister her role as monarch is mostly ceremonial to this end the queen has a punishing schedule of public events where she shows her face and meets with people who don't give a damn she shows her face like she's,
2: she shows up and is like mm, Vanna Whiting her face
1: <laughs> and, yeah. I'm showing you my face I'm showing you my face here's a pound here's a tenner who wants a tenner Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> Number seven. We have a very serious evening, you know. The text. Well, the text. The context. Did you say who said it? Yeah, I'm about to say something. Oh. Cosmo Duff Gordon, when speaking about a boat trip he took aboard the Titanic. <laughs> I thought that was what was coming. <laughs> and, and, and the story. Yes, we're talking about that Titanic. I thought we were talking about the, the other one. one. Mm-hmm. That one they're building over in China, right? <laughs> yeah. According to experts, just 706 of the 2,000 or so people aboard, the exact number has never been established, survived the Superliner's maiden voyage. Yeah, Jack threw off the whole total. <laughs> <laughs> Among them was Sir Cosmo Duff Gordon, a gentleman through and through, other than the fact that he survived.
2: Uh, he got on the line.
1: Upon board. hearing that the ship was sinking, Duff Gordon grabbed a bottle of brandy and some cigars made his way towards the lifeboats with his wife and secretary. Duff Gordon is said to have stood unflinching on the deck as the lifeboat slowly filtered away, several of which offered a place to his wife, who refused to leave without him. Duff Gordon and his wife eventually escaped aboard a smaller lifeboat being piloted by Sentinel Crewmen, whom the English dandy politely asked for permission to join because being aboard a sinking ship is no excuse to forget your manners. Yes, it is. You punch the fucker in front of you, throw the kid overboard. Hopefully it drowns and you get on the goddamn thing. <laughs> is that too much? Too much. Too much. Too much. The quote. Boy, God. Oh, wait, wait, wait. We're not done with the first Oh, one. I'm sorry. So what was what, this quote again? Uh We had a very serious evening, don't you know? Sounds- yeah, but- Canadian. We had a very serious evening, don't you know? So this dude's like, oh fuck you know the boat's going down hey we're sinking so, hey we're sinking so he runs
2: into the lounge grabs up a bunch of cigars and brandy mm-hmm. yeah. Wouldn't heads Jim. out to heads out to the boat deck and I guess sitting there chilling with his brandies and cigar
1: he probably went hey guys if I can get on this boat with you Boop. <laughs> got a lighter
2: well the guy certainly knows how to face uh Adversity,
1: doesn't he? Hey, at least his wife was like, I'm not getting on one of these boats without him." Where'd secretary go? She probably jumped on the first boat. Uh, that might not have been a she. That's true. At the time, it would have probably been a he. So, with the ship? Unless his name was Jack. Was his name Jack? <clears throat> nope. Glug, <laughs> <Club>, glug. <club. laughs> Sorry, secretary. Well, here's the whole quote. At that time, I was attending to my wife. As I think I said just now, we had a rather serious evening, you know. Presumably all while his mustache twitched endless insults about the size of the lawyer's manhood and Morris' code. <laughs> all right, next the, one. The code, number six. By God, sir, I've lost my leg. I think it was on my python skin. I know, right? The you context.
2: Meaning of life, right? All about the one yeah, with the mosquito netting.
1: Yeah, with the, the bloody great tiger. The context, Lord Uxbridge, upon noticing his leg has been blown clean off by a cannonball. The story, Henry Paget, better known as the first Marquess of Angsley. It's is, the presence of mind to say anything. <laughs> is a famed English army officer and politician best known for one of the foremost experts at one of England's oldest and most popular hobbies, dunking on the French military.
0: Uh,
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well liked by by his men, Paget, or Paget, probably Paget, was known for his bravery, composure under fire, and stoicism, often being seen personally leading charges on horseback. Impressive. It was after one such charge at the Battle of Waterloo that Paget was struck by an errant cannonball that caused the bottom half of his right leg to explode... Into a sticky red cloud of viscera.
2: Was he on a horse at the time? Apparently. What happened to the horse? Doesn't say. According to all those present. Exploded into a. (laughs) Apparently. So, guy, he's got covered in
1: his own juices and horse guts. And still has a presence of mind to say something. According to those all present, Paget reacted to the injury if it was a mosquito bite, turning to the man next to him and explaining rather matter-factly that his head had just been torn...
0: <laughs> My head. <laughs> My head's been ripped off! That dude's fucking centered right there. <laughs> Holy crap. That dude's metal. He should be sea lord. <laughs> <laughs>
1: He spread right out of the and his leg had just been torn clean off by a screaming hunk of metal traveling at the speed of sound. But he wasn't done yet and continued to play, oh down, the, he <laughs> continued to play down the extent of his injury, refusing to even cry out in pain while the mangled remains of his limb were removed without anesthetic. According to the physician, the only sound Padgett made during the entire agonizing procedure was to answer a nurse if he was okay. Apparently, uh, Padgett's okay. Only... At
2: some point, the nurse came in and said, Oh, are you okay? <laughs> are you
1: all right, sir? Yeah, I'm good. Apparently... It reminds me
2: of that scene in Hellraiser where the girl passes out in the street. Then they have this POV shot of all these people looking down at her. <laughs> She's like unconscious on the sidewalk. One of them Are you Okay.
1: Uh yes. <laughs> I'm just fine. I just wanted to have a quick nap in the street. In the street. Apparently Paget's only comment was that the knife being used to scrape away the bone and tissue left bowed his knee felt rather blunt. Before once again sitting in silence. The only question we had was how that Paget ever found a horse capable of carrying both him and the giant man sized
0: balls. He clearly possessed. Holy crap.
1: I'm worried
2: he's going to get another one because I'm assuming the one he was on is obliterated.
0: <laughs> Holy
1: crap, dude. Boom. Oh, shit. <laughs> mm, someone call my tailor. <laughs> yeah. Oh,
2: Many my uniform's going to require alteration.
1: <laughs> oh, here. This is the follow-up to it. Number five, the quote. By God, sir. So you have. <laughs> the context. The Duke of Wellington's response to Henry Paget. Yes, on the same day, Harry Paget went down in history as a man who responded to having his leg amputated with a blunt knife with nothing but mild discomfort. His commanding officer simply reacted to the frankly astonishing occurrence of a man standing three feet away, having his leg blown off like he noticed someone in the room and just farted.
2: Well, it is rude. <laughs>
1: To, to just, what, fart in the room or mention this when leg just was blown
2: no, off? If you're in a room with somebody and your leg explodes, <laughs> that's really rude.
1: <laughs> just, Not you,
0: during war!
1: You can stain their uniform. <laughs> no, his jacket's red. Like Paget, the Duke of Wellington was well known for his stunning demeanor and diamond-like testicular fortitude,
0: earning him nickname, the Iron Duke. Hey, <laughs> how is Sea Lord? Sea Lord and the Iron Duke. It's a new metal band. <laughs> it's our new metal band. Sea Lord and the Iron Duke. So uh, Who am I? I don't
1: know. Wellington was similarly. Coming out, coming out on AR Records. We Y'all <laughs> listen for that. Sea Lord and the Iron Dukes. Wellington was similarly respected by his men for his commitment to a Spartan military lifestyle. I guess he kicked a lot of people in holes. That's just that one each. With the Duke insisting on dining on the same rations as his men and opting to sleep on a standard military cot. That's actually very cool. Yes. Uh, even though his rank and social status would allow him to eat fresh swan necks every day if he really wanted to.
2: Oh, I think the rations, please.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: So your swan
1: necks have arrived. What? <laughs> the fuck requisition swan necks? Number four, the quote, we are still open. More open than usual. The context, sign placed in British stores and been hit by bombs during the Blitz. Yes. <laughs> it's just say, come on in. <laughs> Don't worry, the door won't hit you in the ass on the way out. During World War II, one of the things Hitler had a real heart on for was crushing the morale of the British, something he hoped to accomplish by tasking the Luftwaffe to with the bombing, the ever-loving crap out of major British population centers for two years straight. A time in history now known as the Blitz. hmm Ballroom Blitz. Uh, although the Nazis succeed in leveling a significant percentage of, the, of Britain, the British populace went about as if everything was cool. Uh, workers finding their offices had been destroyed would pull their desks out of the rubble and do paperwork in the middle of the street. Housewives would gossip about raids like the weather, and stores continued to sell produce... Even if they didn't have roofs, in keeping with the self-deprecating nature of British humor, such stories would advertise the fact they were way open by telling the public they were simply more open than usual, which is apparently the British way of saying missing half a roof. <laughs> no kidding. That's that. the, the picture is that really famous picture of the milkman delivering milk, and everything around him has been destroyed. And he's like, Eric, hey, have well, got to still have milk. Just because the residents are gone doesn't mean I don't have a job to do. Yeah, exactly. Somebody's got to be there, and if not, then I got to pay for this. Uh huh. Lactose intolerant. Their house has been destroyed. No, well, I still do to need milk. That milk box is still there though. <laughs> <laughs> Dingling, ding, milk's here.
2: Comes off in his hand. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Oops. Sorry, ma'am. It's okay. I don't need milk this week. You just crushed my boy. Ooh. Cream then. harder <laughs> The quote, number three. The quote. I told you I was ill. The context. The proposed epitaph for Spike Mulligan's tomb. Spike Mulligan was a comedian known throughout Britain for his surreal and often black humor. Considered to have been one of the key influences behind Monty Python and held in high regard by the British comedy scene, Mulligan is often referred to as the Comedians, Comedians, Comedians. That makes him a comedian twice removed. Yes, it does. And that's that's all for that one. I'd actually heard that one before. Yeah. The quote. Always look on the bright side of life. Hmm. Well, we've heard that. The context. The most popular song played at British funerals. That's actually incredibly humorous. Well, if you consider its original context. Despite having the word fun right there in it, funerals are anything but. What with all the crying people and the fistfights that break out. British people seem to be a curi- uh, curious exception to the, this rule, with it being noted that Monty Python song always look on the bright side of life is one of the most popular songs requested at funerals. What makes this particular song so deliciously hilarious is that it took the top spot away from actual religious hymns, which had prior to 20, 000, 2014 <laughs> way in Whoa. the future. Whoa, where are you pulling this one from, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Brian? Had- twenty fourteen been the most popular had been the most popular of final songs requested by the deceased. So just to clarify, in Britain, the popular most popular song played at funerals is one that was intentionally written to take an ironic as an ironic piss take for a film Life of Brian. Poking fun at the idea of religion about remaining calm and collected in the face of adversity, and it took the stuff spot away from a genuine sentimental religious him Or her.
2: When you consider what the original context was and what was going on in the movie at the time. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Is that after he'd been uh, crucified? What, yeah, they sing it on the cross. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's been a while since I've seen Life of Brian. You should watch it. I should. I love it. Life of Brian, of course, Holy Grail, and I have the meaning of life. The quote, number one, the quote. Mm-hmm. We have time enough to finish the game and win. The context, Sir Francis Drake upon being interrupted during a game of bowls about an approaching Spanish fleet of ships. Francis Drake, known in Britain for many things, including besting, beasting, sorry, on the Spanish so hard they called him the dragon. So now we have the dragon, the iron duke, and sea lord. Yes. So those are the three people in our metal band. Now we just got to get the drummer and we'll be good. Here's the drum machine. <laughs> boots, boots, boots. Speed that up. Boots, 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 boots. <laughs> Never mind. We do a bossa nova. Maybe
2: that's what we'll do. We'll get an Ocasio keyboard and, and use the various beats, and we'll do an album where we, where we play metal tunes to each of the
1: beats. We've got a keyboard upstairs. And go. <laughs> Jake, 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 Jake. Uh, Drake was figured in dispe- no. Defe- <laughs> defeating the Spanish Armada, a massive fleet of ships that attempted to invade England in 1588. Uh, according to legend, Drake was so unafraid of the Spanish and so supremely competent in his own skills that, about learning a fleet of ships large enough to level half the English coastline, had just crested the horizon. He didn't act on news until he finished a game of bowls. I don't know what that is. Exactly what Drake said isn't clear, but multiple sources report that he was happy to learn the Spanish were still a few miles away because it meant he could finish his game, reportedly quipping that he'd smashed the Spanish fleet after and only after he'd finished the game. True to his word, Drake had the Spanish Armada in battle, partially leading a charge that the score just. De- <laughs> destroyed a quarter of the armada and captured one of their most powerful ships. Proof that the English do get emotional, but only about things that actually matter, like a game of involving rolling small balls on some grass. Oh. Uh, what's that? Not croquet. The other one. the other snooty ball game. Played on grass. Quidditch. No, it's above grass. Oh. It's on grass. No, it's above. You've got to you're fly for Quidditch. Oh, no. you're, if you're going to play Quidditch, you're probably on grass.
0: <laughs> hey! Whee!
1: <laughs> oh, it doesn't matter. So there you go. We've just got three new members for our metal band and uh, drum machine. So there you go. All right, so uh, cue uh, British music. All right, so there you go. Another Achieving Reality of the Podcast in the can, where it belongs. Right there, right next to the gross banana peel and the dripping, I don't know, old egg salad sandwich. <laughs> All right, so I hope you enjoyed it. Uh for Chris, Marissa in parentheses, the rest of the crew, and myself, this is Larry saying... So it's time for another of our our new our new take four. This episode of Achieving Reality the Podcast has been brought to you by well us (laughs) here at Achieving Reality the Podcast. Hey there, Achieving Reality, the podcast listeners. I know you've enjoyed us for the last five years. Well, I've got news for you. We're now available on Spotify. That's right, Spotify. Log on to your Spotify account, look at the menu bar along the top, and click on the podcast. Then, search for Achieving Reality, the podcast. It's amazing. Now, there's multiple ways to listen to my wackiness and Chris's snark. Achieving
0: Reality, the podcast, now on Spotify. Go ahead, take a listen. Who starts this bit? Does it matter?